folks, Gary Washburn here with, with edition 10 of the Washburn Files weekly podcast, talking all Celtics and everything uh, NBA, uh, might get some pop culture, we'll talk all-star game, um, a lot of good things uh, coming up here over the next uh, 40 so minutes. Uh, the Celtics had a good week, um, considering the past couple of weeks that they had. Um, winning their last four games before the All-Star break. Uh, victories over Indiana, Washington, the Clippers, and Toronto. Um, tough wins in all the games of that close one-point win over the Wizards where they uh, were able to make a kind of a miraculous comeback in the last 45 seconds. Jason Tatum put the team on his back. Uh, they were able to get a couple of key defensive stops, a turnover, and then forced Bradley Beal into a really tough shot. Uh, they He almost made, honestly, but uh, didn't go down. Uh, the Indiana game, the Pacers kind of pushed them uh, to the final minutes before they had to close that one out. Um, the Clippers, a quality win. The Clippers were supposed to be at full strength, but Kawhi Leonard was a late scratch with back spasms, so, and then Marcus Morris left in the second quarter with a concussion. So the Clippers were playing without two main guys, but the Celtics were able to hold off uh, the Clippers in that one. Another win, their second win of the year over the Clippers. And finally, they played a shorthanded Toronto team that had been decimated by uh, COVID protocols. And But Toronto, as they always do, they played well. They played hard. And uh, the Celtics were able to eke one out, 132-125. So a, a positive end to what has been a bumpy in difficult first half for the Celtics, 19 and 17. Um, don't think that that's what they envisioned. Brad Stevens said it is what he envisioned for this team, having some ups and downs, not having Kemba Walker for 11 games, now missing Marcus Smart for the past month, losing Jason Tatum to COVID protocol, uh, losing Jalen Brown for his, uh, COVID protocol briefly, and then a, a sore knee. So uh, a lot of, you know, little things that affected this team. But let's be honest, folks, nothing that affected this team that Washington is going to complain about or Memphis teams that have really been decimated by COVID, had several games canceled, had their season derailed. Uh, so as much as you can, you know, use the, the injury excuse for the Celtics or the COVID excuse, they've been just like a bunch of other teams Let's face it, the Lakers don't have Anthony Davis for the last several weeks. There's several teams. Brooklyn's played a chunk of games and had a really good West Coast road trip without Kevin Durant. So everyone's dealing with the injury bug. Everyone's dealing with the COVID bug. So it's not a unique excuse, although it is an excuse. But I think the Celtics probably saved their season with this four-game winning streak. If there are two, three games below 500 um, entering this next stretch, it's going to be difficult. They begin the, the stretch with the Brooklyn Nets. The Nets, who knows if Kevin Durant will be back for that game. He's missed a while. Don't know if they'll want him to practice a couple of times before they throw him in to a, a game. But, I mean, you got Brooklyn and then you got a game at Houston. Houston has really, really struggled. So if you're the Celtics, you have to like your chances in that game, but the schedule is tough. And the schedule, it's one of these situations, if you're the Celtics, um, that you need to you need to start 
putting together some wins. And they did with the four in a row, but you need to start winning five out of six, six out of eight. You need to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. Um, this stretch coming up is an interesting stretch because you have some really winnable games at Houston. They come home two nights later against Utah. Obviously, that's not a, that's a, it's going to be a, the most difficult game probably of the month. Then at Cleveland, Sacramento at home, Orlando at home, then an interesting road trip where they go at Memphis, tough game, two at Milwaukee, both tough games, at OKC on the second night of a back-to-back. That could be very tricky. Then they come home for the, the finish the month with the Pelicans and the Mavericks, two teams, the Celtics, you would think would want to pay back after that rough road trip where they lost, blew a 24-point lead to the Pelicans, and then lost to, to Luka and the Mavs with uh, a couple of incredible three-pointers. Then they come back and play Houston. So you, there's some winnable games in this stretch. Look, look at this stretch. Two against the Rockets, who are really struggling. One against Oklahoma City, but a second out of a back-to-back. And then at Cleveland, a game you think you can win, but Cleveland's kind of tricky at home. They have a lot of young talent. You don't know how they play. Sacramento, Orlando, I think those are two games you have to win. Um, the Kings are kind of in a tailspin. I don't know if you guys saw that blown lead against uh, the Charlotte Hornets. Um, it was really, really predictable. You just knew the Kings would find a way to lose that game, and they do. Um, it, it's unfortunate the Kings just can't seem to get it right. Orlando's decimated with injuries. Um and, you know, it'll be interesting. The Celtics will be in Milwaukee at the trade deadline. March 24th uh, is the game against Milwaukee. And the 26th, the, tr- the trade deadline's Thursday the 25th. So, um, you know, you'll I think fans will be able to see what the Celtics have. Uh, maybe that first game, that second game against Milwaukee, uh, maybe a new addition there uh, to their ball club. And I think that first game against Milwaukee would be a good test to see where they are. Uh, they haven't played Milwaukee in a while since the season opener, um, but you get a kind of a two-game series, a playoff-type atmosphere against the Bucks and Giannis. I think that's a good test for this team. But if you're looking at the schedule, the Celtics sh- should and need to win some of these some of these games. I mean, they've got to start putting some wins together. They don't have. Um, we really haven't talked and talked schedule. The Celtics don't have a real treacherous road trip. Uh, the longest road trip in the second half is the four-gamer, Memphis two against Milwaukee and Oklahoma City. Then they go on a brief West Coast road trip, Denver, Portland, Los Angeles, the Lakers. I don't know if they'd be favored to win either of those three games. Um, very tough opponents. Uh, a two-quick two-gamer to Brooklyn and Charlotte in April. Another two-gamer to uh, Orlando and Chicago. And then they finish the season with three road games at Cleveland, at Minnesota and at the Knicks. So you're thinking if Cleveland and Minnesota don't have much to play for, you get those games. And then the Knicks, the Knicks might be fighting to get into the playoffs. They might be fighting for seeding. So that final game at New York, will be, <laughs> that's going to be a tough one. The Knicks are playing well. Tom Thibodeau, former Celtics assistant, has them playing playoff caliber basketball. So the Celtics, I think, are in a good, are in a good place in terms of kind of saving their season after winning those four games. Uh, the All-Star game, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, I think both enjoyed their experience. I think they both took good experiences out of it. I think the one thing I'm encouraged by uh, when when hearing them talk is what they took out of it mentally, right? 
Jason was a starter in the All-Star game, you know, because of some injuries with Durant and, you know, and then Embiid and Simmons being out and there was some kind of shuffling with the starting lineups. Hey, Tatum was a starter. Tatum said, listen, I like that position. I want to be a starter for X amount of years. I don't like coming off the bench. I want to be an all-star starter. And to me, that says a lot. That's, that, that's, a, that's a great thing to, you want to hear from Tatum. Like, he's motivated. He wants to be one of the elite players in the league. But what he first told us this weekend in Atlanta was that, listen, I want to be a champion. I want to win championships. That's what I'm here for. All the individual stuff will take care of itself. I think that was a very important statement. Not that uh, folks didn't think that Tatum wants to be a winner, but for him to say, be 22, just turned 23 years old this week. Everybody thinks he's 19. I think that's hilarious. But Tatum is now 23, even, you know, he's fourth, it's fourth year. The young, these kids come into the league younger and younger. Um, but Tatum said, hey, I want to be a champion. And I think that that is something that, uh, is very important with the um, with what you're saying in terms of like how what you take away from the All Star game. It's not an individual play. It's not ha- hanging out. It was listen. I want to be a starter. And then Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown had a strong game, 22 points. He was able to to show uh, his stuff. I think he was very flattered by being drafted by LeBron's team. He was very flattered by LeBron calling him the underrated uh, Jalen Brown. And he wants to show that he's one of the elite players in the league. And I think that the one thing I think he took away from it was, man, like, I'm I'm pretty good player. You know, I'm a top 20 player in this league, top 25 player. But to see Dame Lillard and Steph Curry just flipping 40-footers with the flick of the wrist and swishing him, I think he was kind of like – overwhelmed by that i think he was overwhelmed by just some of the talent level of these guys not during you know competitive games but just in person you know because the all-star game let's face it you're showing your stuff you're showing the things you can't really show in a regular season game unless you're kind of showboating you can showboat you can show your skill set um you can take a 28 footer and no one blinks an eye you can take a 50-footer. You can take a half-court shot, and no one's going to judge you. That's what the All-Star Game's about. And I think that that's what the important thing, if you're a Celtic fan, is to take away from that experience um, is that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum both felt like they got something out of it motivating them to practice, motivating them to work harder, to be better players. That's what you want. You want your dynamic duo, one I think it's a great thing. We can talk about that now. Like, it's a great thing that one they get along well. They're different dudes. I think that we tend, as folks, to put all the millennials and and all the young NBA players into one basket and think they're all the same. They're not. These guys are very different. Have different interests. Come from different backgrounds. But Tatum and Brown have really healthy respect for each other, and they know how important. They are to each other in terms of team success. The Celtics aren't going anywhere without Tatum and Brown being at their best, especially against teams like the Nets and the Bucks and superstar teams. Like they need the best out of Tatum and need the best out of Brown. And both of them have been criticized for some shortcomings and some of their struggles. But I mean, both of them have become pretty darn good players. I mean, 
you can't argue with Danny Ainge's early draft results in terms of getting those guys. That's what you want out of third the third overall pick. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, you look at the drafts from the Tatum draft, okay? Let's look at the Tatum draft. And I'll and I'll call this up. And you want to like Tatum, to me, the third overall pick should have been taken first. If you really think about it. Markel Fultz, obviously, a player we're very familiar with in Boston. Uh, Lonzo Ball was second overall, then Tatum, then Josh Jackson, um, who has now bounced around now with the Pistons, but has been with the Suns and had a little stint with the Grizzlies, D, you know, went to the D-League. And then you look at some of the – Darren Fox, who would probably be the second overall pick in this draft. He's uh, turned out to be a very, very good player. Jonathan Isaac can't stay healthy. Laurie Marketing's been up and down. Frank Nilakina, uh, you know, it just seems like he was he was a Phil Jackson draft pick and just can't find his way onto the floor and has been really scrutinized. New York was the worst place for him probably to play. Then Dennis Smith Jr., I mean, he's on his third team now. Malik Monk has just kind of find himself here. Luke Kennard has bounced, has been now his second team. I mean, he's a solid player. Donovan Mitchell, who would probably be the second or third pick. You'd have to, you know, who would you rather have? Um, Donovan Mitchell or De'Aaron Fox, who probably some, I think that'd be maybe a 50-50-60-40 split because they're two very talented players. Then the guy who would probably be taken fourth in that draft, if not higher, uh, was taken 14th, and that's Bam Adebayo, who has turned out to be a superstar at, at center, just a, a marvelous all-around player. And then you look at uh, Justin Jackson. Justin Patton is out of the league already. DJ Wilson can't get major minutes for the Bucs. And, he, you know, it's his fourth season. TJ Leaf is out of the league. You know, John Collins has been a good. Harry Giles, we, Giles, we still haven't seen much of him in his three-plus years. Uh, you know, Jared Allen was a good pick at 22. He has turned out to be a very good player. OG Ananobi, uh, 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 kind of a staple in Toronto. Tyler Ligden, the Syracuse kid, out of the league. Um, Caleb Swanigan, who was taken 20 out of the league. I mean, t- Caleb Swanigan was taken before Kyle Kuzma, which was a great pick to me coming out of Utah. Uh, he's had a solid career. Tony Bradley's uh, kind of been a backup. And then Derek White from San Antonio, last pick, and then Josh Hart. So, um, you know, this was a up-and-down draft, and you look, and Danny could have taken, who knows, Josh Jackson, who knows, you might need, you want, might have wanted size to take Jonathan Isaac. Um, you know who knows how, how that would have worked out. A lot of folks said they should might should have taken Lori Marketing. Um, so if you're the Celtics, you um, were very very lucky and fortunate and also skilled to get Jason Tatum at three in that 2017 draft. Let's look at the Jalen draft. Just a year before, first pick Ben Simmons, second pick Brandon Ingram. I don't think any regrets with those two. Jalen, the fourth pick, though. Remember when the Celtics were talking about taking Dragon Bender? Dragon's out of the league. Dragon, Dragon averaged five points a game in his four years, and now he's out of the league. And then Chris Dunn um, just could never really stay healthy. Now in Atlanta, now hurting in. Buddy healed. Then Jamal Murray, that's someone that the Celtics probably would have taken if they hadn't taken Brown. Marquise Chris has bounced around. Jacob Portal 
is a solid backup in, you know, in San Antonio, Thon Maker out of the league. Uh, DeMontis Sabonis, 11. Boy, would he be taken higher in this draft. Torian Prince has been a solid role player. Um, Giorgio Papagiannis, out of the league. Sacramento burned a first-round pick on that guy. Denzel Valentine is kind of languishing in San, in Chicago. Uh, Juan Hernan Gomez. Eh. And this is, the, this is where, in my opinion, the Celtics really hurt their current um, standing. The two, the two first-round picks after Jalen. Gershon Yabuselli and then Ante Zizek, who never played, was ended up being in the Kyrie trade, both out of the league. You took Gershon over um, Malik Bleasley, Karis LeVert, um, Furkan Korkmaz, Pascal Siakam. That's the one, yeah, right? You know, um, and DeJounte Murray, you know, too. I mean, in... in you know, you could have even taken Ivica Zubak, who was a second-round pick. He he's turned out to be a solid pro. And let's let's not forget, one of the better players in this draft was taken 36th in Malcolm Brogdon. He fell all the way to 36th. I remember him working out for the Celtics. It, it sounded like he was gonna it was gonna work out well. They might take him with their, one of their three first-round picks, but didn't work out. They ended up taking Gershon. And taking on takes easy. So you see how difficult it is to draft well, and Danny Ainge has hit on both of those guys. So I think that the the, the future of the, of the team is in very good hands in terms of the base talent of Brown and Tatum. Now, the second half, what do they have to do to get to that next, to compete with the Philadelphia's the Brooklyn's and the Milwaukee's. In my opinion, they got to have a better Kimball Walker. This is a big time for Kim, but Kim is getting some rest. He didn't go to the All-Star game last year. Everyone kind of criticized that he played in the All-Star game and kind of maybe uh, injured and damaged his knee even more. Now he's at home. I'm sure he probably went back to his to Charlotte, get some rest. Um he, he ended the first half on a pretty good note. He was starting to play better. And now, with the Celtics only have two back-to-backs in March, he gets to play in all but two games. So it's none of this herky-jerky stuff, missing a game, not then playing, then missing the game again. Um, he will play in most of the March games. The only games I see him missing are... March 17th at Cleveland, you could probably do without him against the Cavaliers. And then March 22nd at Memphis, that'll be a tough one um, because that's the second of a back-to-back unless um, Brad decides to rest him the day before against Orlando and then um, play him against Memphis. And also, uh, check that, also – He's he'll likely miss the March 27th game at Oklahoma City. So he'll play three games, uh, miss three games this month. And then the Celtics um, have just a few back-to-backs left in their regular season. Uh, we see he'll miss uh, perhaps April 7th against the Knicks. Um, Friday, April 23rd at Brooklyn. Uh April 28th against Charlotte, May 12th at Cleveland, and perhaps the season finale 
May 16th at New York. It all depends on how they, uh, you know, kind of um, distribute the schedule and whether they want um, Kimba to miss maybe a first game of a back-to-back or there are there certain opponents they want him to face. But as of now, uh, Brad Stevens said that um, he's going to miss the second game of back-to-backs. But they need an engaged Kimba Walker. That's that's very, very important for this team to have an engaged Kimba Walker. Next, I think, is they need positive contributions from the bench. I think, as we all know, and if you followed Celtic basketball this year, the bench has been a real issue. It has been a real issue. Um, and because they just don't have enough experience on the bench. I mean, that's and, – and you can blame Danny Ainge for that, for not getting the bench some real support, for not getting the bench, um, you know, some some guys who can come off and know their job, know what to do. You know, you just don't want um, – you just don't want to just play, depend so much on these young guys. And I just think Peyton Pritchard's been a wonderful addition to the team, 7.7 points. Uh, per game. He's one of the leading reserves. Remember, he's only playing 21 minutes a game, 7.7 points. He's had a strong rookie season. Robert Williams, um, I think the, I mean, Robert Williams is averaging 16 minutes a game. I mean, you got to double that. You got to play him 20, 25, 30 minutes a game. It's got to be doubled. He's been too effective. And I know it's kind of a crazy stat. It might be a little bit inaccurate because he hasn't played a whole lot of minutes Robert Williams leads the team in player efficiency rating, and it's not even close. Robert Williams' player efficiency rating is 25.6. Jalen is second with 21, and and Tatum is third with 19.7. So, I mean, you're getting efficient play from Robert Williams. He's averaging six rebounds in 16 minutes per game, okay? And he's giving you... 1.4 1.4 blocks, a steal a game, um, only one turnover, and only two fouls. I mean, he's not going out there and hacking guys left and right. He's not being guys like, you. okay, if you look at Grant Williams, um, you know, let's take a – Grant Williams has had an up-and-down season. He was able to hit some, a couple of big threes against the Raptors in the final game of the first half, but he's averaging 2.8 fouls per game in 18 minutes. So when he gets on the floor, he's committing three fouls. I mean, in just in playing less than a half. That's not a good average. That's fouling too much. Daniel Tice is is kind of on the same uh, spear here. 24.3 minutes, he averages 2.9 fouls, almost three fouls a game. Okay, if you're on anything close to Daniel Tice in terms of committing fouls, that's not a good thing because Daniel does commit a lot of fouls. Um, you know, you look at, you know, Jalen Brown's playing 34 minutes a game and averages the same amount as Tice, who plays 24. So that should give you an indication. But they've just relied, they've relied on the bench, and the bench has been inconsistent at best. Um, if you look at guy, you know, Simeone has been okay at times. Carson Edwards had his moment, but he's only played in 14 of the 36 games. Um, he had a little bit of a you know COVID absence, but I mean, you expected more out of Carson Edwards than 14 games. 
Um, you know, Jeff Teague has kind of probably saved his Celtic career over the last couple of games. He was really struggling. And then in Atlanta, you know, back in one of his uh, former teams, played well despite the Celtic getting really blown out and embarrassed. Uh, played well and has played well since. And if you look at Jeff Teague, I mean, that's just critical. Like, they need him to play well. Jeff Teague is a, a guy who has the experience, the savvy, and, and you know, let's be honest, I mean, he used to, he, he, he was one of the, you know, top 15 point guards in the league at one time. I mean, he was an all-star uh, for a year with the Atlanta Hawks. You know, he is, but he's picked up, I mean, if you look at the, you know, two March games, you know, 9.5 points. Um, he's made eight, he made eight of his nine shots. In February, he was a, a, a lot better, 6.8 points. Um, you know, it's, it's, he was still struggling from the two-point line, but he's gotten a lot better from the field. Um, he's occasionally hitting some threes, you know, and, and he's just he's been better, and that's exactly what they've needed. And let's be honest, he's probably saved himself a career um, because if he continued to play so poorly, they're prob- he's probably going to give them no choice but to probably waive him and try to go out there and find another guard um, or decide that they're going to play, you know, uh, Tremont Waters or give Peyton Pritchard more looks at, at, at the backup point guard. But for now, Teague is a Celtic. He's playing a lot better, but they need some, they need reinforcements. Danny Ainge needs to make a move for this bench. Um, I don't think they're going to, you know, have this, you know, big news-breaking major, you know, deal, James Harden kind of deal to the Nets kind of thing. But I do think that they will add to this team and give them a wing player, give them a shooter. And, uh, you know, I think they're targeting guys like Terrence Ross of the Orlando Magic, Harrison Barnes of the Sacramento Kings. Those are the two guys if I am the Celtics, that I'm targeting. Um, Ross doesn't make a, a, a whole heck of a lot of money. Uh, and to me, he's a, a perfect Celtic. I think that you get him in a winning situation, okay, and he'll become a winning player. I think that he's just, you know, he's he was a solid player in Toronto, right? Then he signs... Um, he gets traded to Orlando um, in the Ibaka deal, and he and he's just and he and, he's, and he puts up numbers this year: fifteen point five points a game, thirty four point four percent from three. He's not having a great year, but he was thirty eight percent two years ago. He's a career thirty seven percent three point shooter. That's what you want, and he can light it up. You need someone to come off the bench. You don't need Terrence Ross. To win you a lot of games, you need to come off the bench and score. And then he's athletic enough, you put him in your defensive system, he's going to be okay. Right? I mean, Terrence Ross, and, and and if the Celtics are going to take someone who kills them, Terrence Ross punishes the Celtics. I've covered this team for several years, and Terrence Ross, I, don't, I can't remember having him too many bad games against the Celtics. He puts the ball in the hole against Boston. Um, he's somebody that I think that they should target. Um, if the if the Magic want to be sellers, he makes some. You know, he made twelve million last year. He, he's on a moderate contract. I think you put him in a winning situation. I think Orlando is just a situation where it's just not a winning situation. Let's be honest. 
Uh, I like Steve Clifford, the coach. I think he's a solid coach. I think with the Magic, they've just never been able to get over its own way. Just injuries, um, you know, that's that's the thing. You just always associate with the Magic. They're never quite healthy. Fournier is out. Gordon is out. And then Jonathan Isaac, you know, tears his knee up. They drafted Mo Bamba a couple years ago, thinking Mo Bamba was going to be a real difference maker. And, and Mo Bamba has just not been able to get on the floor and has not been able to um, be productive. And so if you're the Magic, what do you do? Do you sell? Do you try to get compiled draft picks? Do, you know, do you kind of break ties with some of the players who were drafted before this current administration, like Jeff Weltman? Do you, who's GM, do you just start fresh? You've signed um, Markel Fultz to an extension. you signed Jonathan Isaac to an extension. You've got Mo Bamba. So you got a young base, and you got Cole Anthony as a rookie, right? He's hurt too. I mean, they just can't buy a break. Do you kind of part ways with Vucevic? Do you part ways with Ross for draft picks 48? Like, because I ain't won you no playoff series. Let's be honest. I mean, the Magic The Magic have been just the first-round eliminators for, quite honestly, the last five or six years. Um, the Magic, it just, it just hasn't worked. So if they are sellers, then if I'm the Celtics, I look at Terrence Ross. The same with the Sacramento Kings and Harrison Barnes. Barnes makes more money considerably than... Um, he makes, you know, in the 20 million range. But, you know, he's a guy who has two more years in his deal, but the Celtics would be swimming in luxury tax if they do that. Now, do you think they should pay the luxury tax? That's a great question. Is Boston a big market team? And and want to, you know, do they think? I think I, I'm not going to say that they would not pay the luxury tax. I think that owners, uh, Steve, uh, Rick Grusbeck and Steve Paliuga tell Danny this. That's why I think they tell Danny. Danny, we will pay the luxury tax as long as it's worth it. If we're close to a championship team, but if you just want to get a guy, so, we, you know, they've lost in the conference finals three of the last four years. They want to go farther than that. So if you um, have a move that you want to make that's going to make us a championship team, do it. If not, be careful. You know, don't don't go too far. Be careful of the luxury tax. We don't want to be repeat. You know, no team wants to be the repeat the repeat tax uh, pairs. You know, I don't think teams most teams uh, mind going over the luxury tax if it's going to get them potential championship. So if you're Danny Ainge, you got to be careful of that. Bringing it because remember, folks, Jalen Brown's decision kicked in this season. Tatum's kicking in next season. You got two more years of Kimba because you would assume that Kimba's going to want to opt in, but uh, to that last year. But then again, we thought the same thing with Gordon Hayward, and it didn't work out that way. Um, he opted out, you know. But you have some money that's going to be um, invested in three players: Walker, Brown, and Tatum. Are both, you know, Brown's not quite a max, but Walker's a max, and Tatum's the Max for his age, you know, for his for his experience. So if you you know you have to be careful of that. Then 
here comes Robert Williams, who is eligible for an extension this year. With what he's showing you, how much do you give Robert Williams? What is he going to ask for? Is he going to say, listen, I'm on the cusp of being a star. I'm not going to take anything less than, uh, you know, $18 million a year. Do you get? Do you give Robert Williams a four and seventy-two deal, you know, or do you play hardball with him? Do you give him thirteen? What do you call? What do you offer Robert Williams this summer? That's an interesting question. It'll all depend. A lot will depend. I think how he ends this year. If he ends healthy and he ends um, having helped the Celtics to the conference championship or had a great playoff series, um, a couple of great you know stretches then his stock goes higher because it's going up now because the Celtics are a better club defensively with him on the floor, and he's not making some of the misguided plays that he did in his early years. He's, he's a smarter ball player. Um, he's a savvier ball player. I mean, and, I mean, some of the plays he makes, you know, catch, you know, catching his blocks, you know, not just swatting the ball out of bounds, but catching his blocks and, and, and controlling the ball and saving possessions or, you know, getting a steal here and there or a key rebound. Like, he has been, I think, one of the more impressive Celtics this season. You know, and remember, folks, he's playing 16 minutes a game. I mean, you know, I think, you know, oh boy, how do I say this? Like, Brad Stevens says they're kind of saving him. They don't want him to get hurt. And let's be honest, like, you know, Robert Williams has had some interesting injuries The hip edema, um, he's had some leg issues, knee. So, yeah, he has kind of been beat up his first couple of years, not been completely healthy. But does putting him in bubble wrap, is that going to help your team? Or do you let loose and let him play 30, 35 minutes a game? I say you let him play 30, 35 minutes a game. You try to blend in Tice and Thompson and kind of have a triumphant, um, you know, kind of center position that can give you something every time one of them steps out on the floor. Um, and you might want to play two of them together, but to me, you got to figure out and find minutes for Robert Williams. Also, I think the thing they need to work on or is, is good. I mean, the good thing for them is Rock, Marcus Smart's probably going to come back pretty soon. Um, don't know if he'll come back this week against uh, Brooklyn or Houston, but I think he's close. And Romeo Langford's also close. And as we know, we all don't know. Uh, we, if you follow the census, you really don't know what to expect from Romeo. He's been injured mo- now most of his year and a half in the league. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that the Celtics probably, you know, I mean, if they had to do it over again, would have passed on in the first round. They might have taken a guy like Brandon Clark or, there's other guys who went after Romeo who are having major impacts on their teams, but you're not stuck with him, but he is yours, and you try to make the best out of the situation. You can't really go back in time and oh well, what if you know what if we you know what if we had taken um Matisse Thibel, Brandon Clark, um, you know, but there's you know, Keldon Johnson, who's a who's a guy who has been way under the radar but literally has averaged 12.2 points a game, which is uh, 11th in the draft class. And he was taken 28th. I mean, if you look at the the, the, the guys who have averaged the most points, the first um, 
you know, like Zion, Morant, Barrett, Kobe White, Tyler Harold's fifth, Garland, you know, DeAndre Hunter, Rui Achimura, Eric Pascal, PJ Washington, who I think has had a, a much a, a solid career, but has gone unnoticed because he plays um, for the Hornets. But if you're um, Kelvin Johnson, that would have been a, a, a solid pick. But Romeo is a Celtic, and you got to make the best of it. I mean, complain about, well, why did we, if you're a Celtic fan, why didn't we, you know, uh, draft him and pass on him? And no one knew that he was going to be kind of injury-prone and brittle and just have, you know, he's had two wrist injuries. Um, you know, he's had some, you know, he's had a knee stuff thing. I mean, he, he's got to get healthy, and he's got to get stronger. He's got to hit that weight room. You know, some of these one-and-dones honestly just aren't ready for NBA competition. They're physically not ready. They might be mentally ready. They might not have enough game, but they don't have physically what it takes to, to survive the rigors of the NBA right away. Not all these kids are made, not all these kids are Zion, you know? I mean, not all these kids are, are LeBron or some of these guys coming out who just look like grown men. Some of these kids are 19 years old with 19-year-old bodies. So what can Langford do? I think he can give you that wing defender. I think he can give you that guy if he can, you know, he hasn't really proven to be a real three-point shooter, but he's had his moments. Could he be that wing defender off the bench they need? Potentially. Would you expect that if you're the Celtics? No. I don't think the Celtics could put that type of pressure on him. They got to bring him back slowly, keep him, keep him healthy, make sure he doesn't aggravate anything, and then try to give him bit, you know, roles here and there. And a player that I'm kind of curious about, and I know some of the readers have been asking, is um Aaron Neesmith, like, what happened? He was playing, and then now he hasn't played. He's kind of out, back out of the rotation, him and Carson Edwards. Like, do they have a um, future? Do, do they have a future this year, or are they just going to be on the bench, and uh, next year is going to have to be the year that they make an impact? It's, it's, it's interesting because we just you, – you thought that Brad was kind of uh, – you know, favoring, starting to give, um, you know, Neesmith minutes and he was giving him more responsibility. And then suddenly, boom, he's not playing. And the same with Carson Edwards. So it's more, unfortunately, just not useful players on your bench. You know, do you trust Tremont Waters? Do you trust Taco? I mean, just a lot of guys. You know, Javante has had his moments. Javante Green has had his moments. I think he's taken a big step forward this year. Grant Williams has been inconsistent. So, as I said before, you need help on that bench. You need a veteran. You need somebody that these guys can learn from, who can teach these guys, listen, this is how you become a professional. This is what you do to prepare for your, you know, you playing 10 minutes a game, then prepare like you're playing 40 minutes. And I'm not saying those guys don't do that, but it would help to have a veteran who can show them exactly what it's like to be a pro. And uh, if I, and I'm the Celtics, I'm Danny Ainge, I'm going out there and getting that guy, a guy who can impact this team, because I do think the East is wide open. We don't know what to expect from Brooklyn when the cr- crunch time comes, although they can score the basketball. 
Milwaukee has been up and down. I don't think they've been as good as people expected. Philadelphia, they've played well, but their schedule's been interesting where they they haven't played a lot of really, you know, like, you know, I think they played Brooklyn once. They played the Celtics when when uh, the Celtics had, you know, both games without Tatum. Um, you know, so they maybe had an advantageous schedule. But in my opinion, the Celtics do have a chance here. Now, do they have a great chance? I, mean, I don't think they have a great chance. But they do have a chance to make a big second-half run, maybe grab that number one, number two seed. They're five games back. They're in the fourth seed. That's what you kind of expected in terms of seeding. Now, I don't know about the record, but if you would have said they're behind Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and Brooklyn when Brooklyn has James Harden, I think Celtic fans would take that. Okay, now how do we get to the uh, – I think Celtic fans would think, how do we get to uh, the second seed or the third? How do we jump teams? How do we get home court advantage for the first two rounds? Um, and get that number two seed. Um, it's there for the taking, but the Celtics got to play better ball, be more consistent. Um, none of these no shows against Atlanta, or no shows against Washington, um, and be more poised down the stretch in the fourth quarter. And I think that's what this fourth four game winning streak taught them. They were poised down the stretch in the fourth quarter of these games. That was key. The Washington game was a game they should have lost. But they came back and stole it from the Wizards. And that's what you do sometimes. You know, the, 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 the Pelicans stole the game from the Celtics. The Mavericks came in and hit two threes. Like, you make winning plays and take the game from the other team. That's what you have to do. So this second half should be interesting. Starts with the Nets, then the Rockets. Um, games. There's some winnable games in this stretch. But the Celtics have to prove that they can play against the good teams. The game against Brooklyn should be very interesting, um, and we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the schedule. We'll talk about who's doing well. We'll talk about uh, upcoming trade deadline. So there's a lot to discuss over the next couple of weeks. I'm excited. Um, so thank you, folks, for listening to Episode 10. We will, And, of course, we'll have special guests coming up. So thank you. Uh, stay Again, enjoy your sports week. Enjoy all the conference tournaments, the selection Sundays. Hope hope your selected team gets into the tournament. Mines will not. Cal is uh, last in the Pac-12. Uh, we might be out of the whole picture by Wednesday night in the first round of the Pac-12 tournament. But let me not worry you with my troubles. But hopefully your team gets in and you guys stay safe out there. Wear your masks. Uh, be careful. Uh, seek to get vaccinated. Hopefully we can get past this thing pretty soon. And we will talk to you guys next week.